0: Hello again, this is Jim Bartlett. Welcome back to my podcast, which is a companion to my website. The hits just keep on coming. Before we get started, here's a technical note. I do not have a recording studio in my house. Under normal circumstances, I record my podcast in an actual radio type studio. But these are not normal circumstances right now. The episode you're about to hear was recorded in my home office, mostly using Zoom and whatever equipment I had on hand. And I hope you will forgive the technical limitations once we get started. At my website, I've written a lot about rock festivals, famous, infamous, and in-between. Episode one of this podcast discussed four Midwestern festivals, three in Wisconsin and one in Iowa, in 1969 and 1970. Two of those Wisconsin festivals are 50 years gone now in 2020. The Soundstorm Festival, which was held near Poinette, about 30 miles north of Madison in April 1970, and the Iola People's Fair, held near Iola, oddly enough, about 70 miles west of Green Bay in June. Soundstorm has gone down in history as a fairly mellow weekend, but Iola is famous for a Sunday morning incident in which bikers and attendees got into a violent rumble. In 1970, Steve Benton graduated from high school in his hometown of Beloit, Wisconsin. He played in a rock band, and he attended both Soundstorm and Iola. Recently, Steve and I talked about his experiences at those shows. This episode is called Festival Summer. I the one I'm interested in primarily because it's the one coming up this summer. Yeah. But I think we can, we'll probably circle back and talk about Soundstorm at the same time. So you're a, you're an 18 year old guy
1: playing in a rock and roll band. Don't forget about that.
0: How did you hear about these shows? How were they publicized?
1: Well, they were publicized with, uh, the. if you've seen the old posters from out in California for all the rock shows and stuff, you know, they had, they, they had uh, things that were designed similarly. They had sort of psychedelic outlines, and, and they, people would put the names of all the bands that were going to be there, and, then, and you'd, you'd find them posted, like, on the college campus. You'd find them posted downtown at the music stores. Uh, you'd find them posted uh, at, at various places where, where kids our age hung out um and so that's how we heard about them what you're going to hear from me many times may cross over into i don't can't remember which one this was i can't remember if this was iola or if it was poignette Let, let's talk about iola a little bit i do remember that because it was the second one i and that's how i heard about it uh, you know was was a was a poster so from that point it was just a matter of trying to find somebody else who was going so that uh, we could get up there i did not have a real good car yet uh, so one of the th- primary things is finding somebody to get us, get us to the shows, both of them. And um, we found a ride um, to both of them. The one to Iola, I can't remember who the heck it was, but I do remember I went with a guy named Ted Mummery. Uh, he's still one of my best friends. Uh, his, his nickname at the time was Tuna. We decided to go and we got a ride with somebody, Mary Hansen, um, um, a woman who is a year older than me. And, and Ted. Uh, she was going to Belay College at the time. She was with us. And then the driver. So it was the four of us in the car. I think the driver, when, when he was there, he, he didn't want to stay the whole weekend. And, and we did. So he left. And Ted and I just decided that we'd hitchhike on, you know, to get home. And we, we, all we came with was our sleeping bag and some food in a, in a sack. You know, and that was pretty much it. So uh, we had to hitchhike back. Um, I'm kind of jumping to the end here just because it was sort of an interesting thing. But we're, we're hitchhiking along the interstate. No cops ever told us not to. But a car pulls over, and it happens to be a woman that we went to high school with and, and uh, uh, her husband, you know, and they're driving by. And they didn't even recognize us, but they stopped and decided that they wanted to pick up these two guys that were hitchhiking so we, and, and, and here they were, you know, the people, and where, where are you going, Beloit? And I, I looked at her and I said, Debbie? And she says, Steve, <laughs> Ted, what do you, you know, it was crazy. So we got a ride home, boom, just like that. Didn't have to worry about a thing.
0: So the plan was to stay for the whole weekend. Yep, you got yep. up there on Friday and you were going to do both of these festivals straight
1: through the whole weekend. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Iola one, I don't recall a whole lot, uh, uh, the beginning of it. Um, I do know that it was very warm. It was a warm weekend. Um, the uh, ground was kind of flat. Uh, there, weren't, there weren't very many trees. Um, I don't know if it had been a dry summer or what, but there, there was some grass and stuff, but it was kind of dusty. Um, I remember that uh, where the stage was set up, basically, um, most outdoor festivals were set up the same. They had the stage. Uh, they had uh, where the equipment was. They had where the entertainers could come and park their vehicles to unload and stuff like that. And then they had um, a lot of little tents and or shelter type devices that were used as either canteens, uh, places to get food, or the uh, the overdose hospital.
0: At Soundstorm, they had medical students from the UW were staffing the, the overdose tents. I thought I read that someplace.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was told. We didn't have that problem.
0: They had made some arrangements to have concessions available for people then. Food and drink?
1: A little bit, yeah. And I don't know if it was local people that just did it or what. I mean, this was not like uh, you know, um you know any franchise kind of thing going on. This was just it was just food, yeah. There was there was some food available. We brought most of our own. Um we didn't do a lot of cooking there and and I, I think I do remember buying some like a hot dog or a hamburger or some damn thing, but You know, we weren't there to eat. We we just ate because we were hungry, and then we went back to what we were doing. So I don't recall a whole lot of that. It wasn't a big part of what we were doing.
0: The Mifflin Street Co-op was involved at Soundstorm. I don't recall reading how they handled that at Iola. You read about a lot of these early festivals, and the promoters would basically pitch a tent in a field and hope Mm -hmm. to luck out. And so people would get to these things and there wasn't food, there wasn't water, there wasn't sufficient sanitation. Coming post Woodstock and coming after some of the big festivals at racetracks, I think the people who put these festivals together had some idea of what they needed to do as far as creature comforts.
1: I don't recall any problems with that as far as food goes or anything like that. And we didn't have to deal with the the uh, drunkenness or, or um, overdosing. So that, that just, just didn't happen to us. So.
0: Soundstorm has kind of gone down into history as being pretty mellow. But Iola... It was, it was. It's interesting to read the news stories about Iola. I went back to newspapers from from the time, leading up and the weekend of, and the first stories written about Iola on Friday talked about, you know, this is like a Renaissance frolic, and all these kids are out in the country far from the big city. And, of course, (laughs) after it all went to hell on Sunday morning... The articles after that were very different. But I've talked to some attendees at IOLA who said that on the second day, as Saturday afternoon, turns towards Saturday night, the vibe was getting kind of heavy up there. Do you recall that at all?
1: No, not where we were. And and here's what happened. Uh, the, The heaviness came from the bikers. There were a bunch of bikers that came in there and apparently they there was a, a rumor that like one of the hippies was kidnapped by a biker and raped and uh sunday morning there was actually an angry mob of 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 the hippies that you know picked up utensils like sticks and and um things you know that one guy grabbed there was like a, an old barn that had come down in this one area and they grabbed a um a piece of wallboard from the from the uh from the barn that had a nail in it, and he, and he picked that up, and he was going to run over there, and they were going to fight these bikers that had done this, you know. My friend and I are going, man, chill out, you know. We, we didn't want to get involved with that. I don't know what exactly happened, but I do know that the sheriff's department had helicopters uh, that came in. I don't know if they – I think they arrested at least one or two of the bikers for this supposed rape or whatever it was, I, but I don't know the outcome of it or anything like that
0: the people that I talked to, there was one guy who was working stage security and he had no indication that anything was going sideways until he heard somebody yell, the bikers are coming. Like, you know, like the British are coming. Yeah. So he hears somebody yell, the bikers are coming. Uh, another guy I talked to said that uh, the crowd above the bikers were kind of down in a lower area next to the stage and the crowd above them had started chucking stuff at them on Sunday morning. And I'll never forget the line from one of the guys who was there. He said, after the bikers mounted up and charged chicks were on the handlebars shooting, shooting. Yeah. That was what what he told
1: me. I didn't, you didn't hear any of that. My God, I didn't hear any gunfire. I did not hear any gunfire at all. No. And the bikers, uh,
0: kind of bit off more than they could chew, according to the, uh, the, a couple of the guys that I talked to, and that it was the cops that saved them from the crowd and not vice versa.
1: That, that could be. Um, like I said, I did not participate in that. We were, we were not angry. I mean, we were upset. And, you know, We didn't like the fact, if that in fact had happened, that we didn't like that. We were like, you know, hey, peace, love, uh, that kind of thing, you know. And we were not going to join any kind of a big fight or rumble or anything like that. We just weren't going to do it. That's, that's, that's not who we were. Um, I heard about it. I mean, I, I knew that there was some kind of a thing. I knew that the, the sheriff's department had come in. Uh, it wasn't the police department. It was the sheriff's department. And uh, I remember seeing the helicopters.
0: It's interesting to read the comments of the Portage County Sheriff on Friday talking about how cooperative the kids were, and then to read the stories on Monday where the Portage County Sheriff is saying, we will never let this happen again. We will block off the entire county if that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to stop it before it started. They knew what had happened at Poinette, despite the fact that Poinette had been fairly peaceful. Uh, they, they knew what had happened there. And the locals were not crazy about having this thing happening in Iola, but there were no zoning laws or anything that they could apply in a rural area. They were kind of stuck. The landowners sold the farm to the promoters and the promoters could do whatever they wanted to do.
1: Yeah, that's what happens when when thing when the first of things happen, you know, you you basically set the rules and uh, you know, you can you can do whatever you want because there are no like you said zoning laws or whatever. So,
0: newspaper articles about these festivals are notoriously bad about listing the acts that appeared. They thought that their adult readers wouldn't care or what. But I've been able to put together from various sources some lists of some of the bands that uh, that appeared, but I'm wondering who are the ones that you remember keeping in mind that, you know, you may be commingling Soundstorm and Iola and that's fine. Who are some of the bands that you remember seeing?
1: I remember seeing the Grateful Dead, Luther Allison, um, Baby Huey, um, Spirit, um, Johnny Winter, Fuse, which, uh, later became Cheap Trick, right? Chuck Berry, uh, the Amboy Dukes, uh brownsville station mason prophet uh steve miller i haven't seen any mention that steve miller was there that's interesting uh taj mahal and a group named crow Uh, i think crow was either from madison or minneapolis but i can't remember
0: yeah minneapolis i think some of the people i have talked to have mentioned uh, iggy and the stooges putting on a tremendous performance like at three o'clock in the morning
1: well i probably was passed out by then <laughs> you know, I uh, I don't recall that at all. Um, there, that would have been an know, eye that, Yeah. Well, he, both of them. I mean, I um, I do not recall, and I'm not the kind of person who gets up into the crowd. You know, like in front of the stage. Uh, you know, and it's not just because I was in a rock and roll band myself. It's just that I would rather be on stage than in the crowd. I basically listened from outside the crowd. I, I was walking around having fun with my friends at our campsite, uh, you know, talking with people, meeting people. And the music was playing in the background. You know, we didn't go there like you go to a concert. That, that's you're sitting in the, in the audience, you know, watching and listening. We were there to experience the whole thing. And that was the background music. That's the way we enjoyed it. And the reason why I know that these bands played is because they were the ones that people were talking about. I know that I was kind of hoping to hear Ravi Shankar and Buffy St. Marie and some other bands that were supposed to play. They did not play. And there's a bunch of them that didn't play. And I can't remember all of them, but uh, there were some pretty big name bands on there that just did not play.
0: The pre-show publicity for these uh, was often pretty crazy too. There was a, a festival in Northeast Iowa at Wadena in 1970. And in some of the pre-festival publicity for that, the Who were prominently mentioned. Wow. So there's, there's no way in hell they're coming to play a cornfield in northeast Iowa. Now, at Soundstorm, I was just reading this uh, today, Soundstorm, The Grateful Dead actually played for like five hours?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know their style. They, they basically just jam. So one of their songs could have lasted a half an hour as far as I know they were just jamming and, and, uh, nobody told them to get off the stage. They played good music and, and yeah, they played, I heard them playing. I didn't know very much about them, but I, I know their style, you know, I'd heard them and, uh, this is before they they got real famous and everything, you know, but, uh, they were a known band out in California at the time. And, uh, I, and then I saw pictures later on, you know, the pictures that, that, uh, one guy had taken of all that, and, and I saw them there. Jerry Garcia didn't even have his beard at the time. you know? He's still, still clean shaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was apparently a friend of a guy named Pete Bobo, who was one of the organizers of this thing. Mm-hmm. I had a little contact back and forth with Pete Bobo 10 years ago, trying to get him to talk a little more about it. And he was basically, I gave all my stuff to the Historical Society. That's all I know. Yeah. And Pete has since passed away. But uh, he was a friend of Jerry Garcia's. And so they took, they had played Denver on Saturday night and apparently got on a plane and flew to wherever they flew to for Soundstorm and got up to Poinet at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and played for five hours. And that was kind of impressive to me.
1: Well, I think a lot of the bands did that back in those days.
0: Now, I know that some of these festivals had other things going on in addition to the music, like there'd be like art displays or something like that. Did you see any of that at either Soundstorm or at Iola?
1: Not that I recall. And and I just don't recall. I don't think I was interested. I didn't bring any extra money with me to buy anything like that. And I wouldn't have had anywhere to keep it anyway. You know, I getting hitching a ride or whatever, you know, you don't want to have all that stuff to carry with. So I didn't even think about, you know, buying it. So I probably didn't pay too much attention to it. So, so no, I, I didn't see any of that extra stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I saw, I saw the food uh, vendors. I saw the, the, the hospital tents or whatever. And then it was basically the only other thing that I noticed was, was the, uh, <laughs> the bathing hole at, uh, at Pointe. <laughs> a lot, a lot of naked people walking around over there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of the things the cops said after uh, Soundstorm was over, one of the ways that they kept the lid on things and kept it mellow up there was they just kind of turned their heads away from drug use and public nudity. They just said we're not we're not going to worry about that today.
1: Yeah, that, and that was one of the reasons why we felt that that festival was just so awesome because you could do anything you friggin wanted to. I mean, and nobody really wanted to do anything totally nasty or you know uh, outrageous, and so it just it just worked out really well.
0: On my website, I've written about a fair number of festivals over the years, and I forget which one it was. I don't think it was either Iola or Soundstorm, but I got a very angry comment from a reader who said, "Well, I don't know who told you drugs were on sale there, but I saw no such thing." And I'm thinking, "Dude, it's 1970. It's a bunch of hippies. Are you: Are, oh, yeah. are you serious? one of the stories about Iola that I heard was that there was what amounted to an open air drug market. There was, it it was like a farmer's market only with drugs.
1: It was the same thing at Poinette. It was open. I mean, people would walk around selling stuff. You, you, You ever go to a ball game and you got the peanut vendors and the cotton candy and whatever they're, they're walking up and down the aisles, yelling the stuff. It was the same thing. These people are walking around with these, with, with this stuff going mescaline, mescaline, you know, then you got the peyote buttons, you know, and they they got all these different things, you know, and, and it's like, we, we didn't want any of that stuff. Other people did. We had brought our own stash of, of, of pot that we had. And, and that was pretty much all we did.
0: Did you meet people from elsewhere that had come longer distances than you had to get to either of these shows?
1: No, um, I, I wasn't real, um, uh, social with, with just strangers because, um, it, 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 it wasn't like it was clicky, but it was like, everybody had their little groups. Uh, you know, you'd walk up and, uh, through like, like campgrounds, you know, and you've got a great big fire there and there's, there's people sitting around it and they're all, they're all smoking and, or whatever, you know, and that's, that's that group. It, there's not a whole lot of like, uh, I'm going to sit down on somebody else's thing, you know, and they don't know me, I don't know them, and I'm going to smoke their pot. That's not saying that that didn't happen, but, you know, we just, we just were comfortable with, with the people that we knew, so we just kind of hung out together.
0: And my sense of it is that the people who came to these festivals were primarily from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that with the Wadena Festival in Iowa, Wadena is kind of partway between Waterloo and Dubuque and far northeast Iowa. And that festival actually got some publicity on uh, KAAY from Little Rock on the uh-huh. uh, Beaker Street show. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I don't think they bought advertising. I, I think it was just one of the things that was talked about. Did radio stations talk about Soundstorm or Iola that you could recall?
1: Not that I can recall. We listened to FM radio at that time, because that's where all the uh, the that time the music was. You know, what
0: were the FM stations that you would have been listening to in, in in Beloit then?
1: So we probably would have listened to either Madison or Rockford if we were going to listen to FM.
0: I kind of drifted from the point that I was getting toward. Was it uh, that festival in Wadena? I think drew a, a larger audience because of that publicity that it got over this radio station that blasted over, you know, the whole Eastern half of North America at night that contributed to some of the publicity that they got for that show. And I I think people came, some people traveled farther to get to that, but so many of these, they're shrouded in mystery and they're shrouded in misinformation. In researching Iola, I was amazed at the amount of misinformation that I found. Uh, One of the recurring rumors about that is that after the bikers and the attendees got in it, the crowd actually killed some of the bikers. They were so angry. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, and there, there are people that absolutely swear that happened, and it did not. No. The only fatality I know of there was there was a kid who uh, was in a motorcycle accident. He was going. I came across a story a couple of years ago that I had never heard before, that supposedly a baby was born during Iola. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But every rock festival has stories like that. I mean, there were supposedly babies born at Woodstock, right? And none of them have ever come forward to say, yes, I was born at Woodstock. And it (laughs) defies belief that somebody who had that claim to fame would not be trying to trade on it. So my suspicion is that those births didn't happen either.
1: Yeah, it's it's probably just a lot of rumor mill stuff, you know, you know, you you get that uh, telephone chain thing going, you know, where mm-hmm. you, one guy whispers something to somebody by the time he gets back around, it's a totally different phrase or whatever, you know, you get that stuff going and, and who knows what's going to come out of that.
0: <laughs> one of the things I notice is that hits on those old stories that I've written about these festivals will occasionally spike like on a Saturday night. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's because old hippies go
1: googling for their past.
0: You know, I, uh, Iola. Well, I went to yeah. that thing at Iola. Is there anything out there
1: about Iola? Uh, that's probably right. That's uh, that's. I mean, that's how I found all those pictures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was I was googling and and it popped up that the uh, um, state historical society had a bunch of pictures from Pointet. Mm. Uh, you know, and I'm going yeah. really. I hell, I looked at those things way back. I don't know, fifteen twenty years ago. I think mm. for the
0: first time. I was driving across Wisconsin here. Oh, it must have been February a year ago. I was traveling on a Sunday and I saw a sign for the Iola Winter Sports Club. And I thought, oh, (laughs) that rang a bell. I knew that the festival was somewhere close to there. Yeah. So I pull off at a McDonald's or some damn place and I go digging in my email on my phone for some correspondence I'd had with a guy. And I decided, okay, I got nothing else to do today. I don't need to be where I'm going until tonight. So I went looking for the festival grounds, and I think I found it. There wasn't a whole lot to see. It had snowed the day before, and the the county road that ran what it would have been south of the site was plowed, but the town road that ran it would have been west of the site was not and the way that the terrain laid out, accounting for the fact that it was, you know, 49 years go by, I'm guessing people went in off the town road, off this narrow gravel road. Um,
1: it's, it's possible. I don't recall that at all. I don't recall where we parked. I mean, there were a lot of cars. Uh, that, that's one thing that I noticed about both those festivals, and they did not really have a place to park. Like, for instance, at uh, Poinette, there was cars parked all up and down the road. I mean, for miles, it's, we had to walk a long way to get into the grounds.
0: Iola actually started late because there was so much traffic, people trying to get in. They were supposed to start right. like at noon on Friday, and they didn't start until Friday night.
1: I don't recall a whole lot of that, like I said, either as far as parking, but we had to walk a long ways. This is, now, this is a first-time experience for me. I'd never been to anything like this, uh, going to Poinette. That was my first experience with this. It was in April, and the weather was really nice. I mean, today it's pretty chilly outside, you know, and it's, not, yeah. it's raining and everything. I don't know if it was just, we were just blessed or what, but I remember taking a sleeping bag. We did not have a tent or anything else, had a sleeping bag, and we stayed the whole weekend, and it was nice. It was nice during the day, and it was and nice in the evening. Um, we had campfires and stuff uh, if, just to take the chill off if there was any kind of a chill. I don't recall it being too cold or too hot. It was just perfect the the uh the Poinette one in in april we just walked down the hill walked right down sat down got ourselves a camp spot and then we had a great weekend <laughs> didn't didn't pay a thing to get in or anything you know and and there were there were no bands or or no stamps on the hands nothing i don't know what how they knew if somebody had paid or not
0: yeah one of the things that the iola people tried to do they were conscious of the fact that a lot of people had gotten into pointet for free even though soundstorm was not promoted by the same people who who promoted iola the iola people were conscious of the fact that a lot of people had gotten into soundstorm for free so they tried to fence the whole area that they had there and i don't know how successful they were i do know that at the end of the day on sunday the promoters at soundstorm uh thought they had all of the cash proceeds from the weekend they went to get them from the hiding place backstage and they couldn't find them
1: yeah, somebody had stolen it. I heard about that yeah
0: the first figure I saw was hundred thousand dollars. I also saw a figure in something I was reading yesterday that that said thirty thousand dollars. I don't know if anybody who played got paid.
1: I don't either as a matter of fact and and uh, i didn't I haven't done a lot of research on that, but i I knew that the suitcase uh, that this money was in was gone that's 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 what I heard. The other thing I wanted to tell you about too was my experience in getting there now. Like I said, we parked a long way from the grounds. We could hear the music in the distance. Wow. So the music was already playing uh, when we got there. I don't know what time it was during the day. Um, it was uh, – by the time we got to the grounds, it was dusk on Friday. It was still light enough to see, but you couldn't see the sun. That that was the, that was the time that we got there. Now, here's how we did it. We're walking down the road, and everybody is saying that um, – uh, if you walk down the road, you're going to get to a gate at some point, and that's where everybody has to pay. Um, we, were, we were watching people walking across this field off to our right, and we were going, where are they going? Oh, they're going to try to sneak in. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we should try to do that. And uh, so the group of us took off across the field, and there was a wooded area. You went into the wooded area, and you basically just started walking toward the music. We came to the edge of the wooded area, and there was a small little uh, grassy knoll kind of a thing, and then it sloped down like an amphitheater, and when we walked out of the woods and walked to the edge where we could actually see down the hill, it was magic. It was just the music, the stage was lit up, it was just dark enough to see the um, fires that everybody had made, you know, in the campground area. You can smell the, the the wind was coming from that direction i don't know what what direction that was but the smoke was drifting up the, up the hill you close your i can close my my eyes right now and still see that and smell it and hear it it's just it was just magic to me
0: many thanks to steve benton for sharing his memories and to dan bartlett for putting the two of us in touch If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit my website, The Hits Just Keep On Coming, which you can find by putting that phrase into your favorite search engine. Or you can visit thjkoc.net. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please consider listening to other episodes of it. Bookmark my SoundCloud or subscribe to my website for announcements regarding new episodes. If you visit my SoundCloud, you'll find links to all past episodes and a link where you can chip in a bit of financial support for this podcast and my website if you choose. This podcast is also available at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. If you are listening on a platform where you can give it a like or a positive rating, I hope you will do that. If you're so inclined to share this episode or others on your social media feeds, I hope you will do that too. This is Jim Bartlett. Thanks for listening.